Inside the IC is sponsored by Microsoft Federal, the choice for classified missions. Welcome to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal on Federal News Network. Now your host, Justin Doubleday. My guest today is Christina Walter, Chief of Dib Defense at the National Security Agency's Cybersecurity Collaboration Center. Hey, Christina, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Justin. And of course, DIB stands for Defense Industrial Base, the defense contractors who support uh, the Defense Department. And I'd love if you could tell me a little bit more about your job as Chief of DIB Defense at the Cybersecurity Collaboration Center and how you kind of fit into the uh, puzzle there at the center. Yeah, absolutely. So I always like to start with kind of what is the Defense Industrial Base? I think people think of those really large defense contractors that are building the fighter jets or or the aircraft carriers. But really, when we think of DIB, we think of the hundreds of thousands of companies that are all supporting DOD weapon systems, operations, and priorities. And so at the Collaboration Center, we were really stood up about two years ago in recognition that industry has a very important key in cybersecurity for the nation and for the Department of Defense. And we needed to be able to work together in a collaborative way to better understand the threats that are targeting both DOD networks, but also defense industrial based networks that generally have really important information about DOD systems. And so in order to partner, we had to have a center where we could operate in an unclassified environment, engage with our industry partners and lead those collaborative discussions. And so that's what we do in the DIP defense mission in the collaboration center. We're focused on bi-directional exchanges with those large defense contractors providing cybersecurity services out to the smaller businesses in DOD supply chains and really amplifying mitigation guidance out to the community. Got it. That's a great overview. What what are some of the trends that you're seeing when it comes to cybersecurity threats that are maybe specifically targeting defense contractors or generally affecting defense contractors along with everyone else? I mean, I think what we see, you know, at, at NSA, we are uniquely positioned with our foreign intelligence mission to see how nation state actors are attempting to target the defense industrial base. And we see that that targeting is frankly aggressive, it's constant, and they've realized that in addition to targeting U.S. government and DOD networks, there's so much valuable information that is sitting on DIV networks. And so we're seeing common but effective techniques, we're seeing a persistence Um, against these networks, then we're seeing that they're getting more sophisticated. And so that is where it has really become important for us to take our aperture, where we really understand nation state actors and what they maybe want to accomplish, but lack that insight into how they are actually targeting DIB networks. And if we partner with the companies who are defending their networks daily, and they are seeing those constant attacks, we can really learn quickly. And that's where we're really seeing that persistence and that aggression. When it comes to partnering with companies, what does that mean? Uh, what, what does that look like on a more granular level? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think terms like public-private partnerships and information sharing are generally overused, um, what that actually looks like. And, and it's really what we've found is it's not incredibly earth-shattering. What we've done is we've set up a collaborative trust relationship with these partners that are underpinned by non-disclosure agreements that protect the information companies share with us and the information we share out. And we just set up a commercial collaboration channel with them. And we put their net defenders in it and our analysts, and they can just talk to each other about what they're seeing. And it helps us learn faster so we can develop mitigations together. We can develop signatures that track nation state actor activity and really build some tailored mitigation guidance that is 
actionable out to the larger community. That's what we're trying to do through this operational collaboration. It's really learning and growing together about what we're both seeing. I know you can't necessarily describe or, or say these specific companies that you're working with, but in general, these, these are larger companies, corporations, when you're talking about the companies that are sending their analysts to sit with your analysts, uh, these are larger you know, defense contractors, or how would you describe those, that, that set of companies? That's a great question. We, we generally tier our partnerships. And so we are a technical agency. So we are working with those large defense contractors that have those robust cybersecurity teams. That's kind of what we consider tier one partnerships where they have teams, they can action technical information, NSA is sharing. That is useful, but it's not incredibly scalable. So there's really two other ways that we focus on scaling. The first is we work with what we consider technology and cybersecurity providers to the defense industrial base. So if we can partner with an internet service provider or a cloud provider who again has that robust technical capability, but is able to take mitigations that we pass to them and use them at scale to protect broader critical infrastructure, those are useful partnerships. On the other end, for the small to medium-sized businesses, you know, we see increasingly supply chains being targeted. We're, we're seeing actors go after kind of the weakest link in the supply chain. And small businesses that are in DOD's supply chain don't have the resources, whether that's money or people, to build effective cybersecurity programs. And so what we're trying to do to tailor to that market is provide no-cost cybersecurity services out to that market. And so what that looks like is we, DOD, contract out with commercial cybersecurity providers to provide services directly to companies. And so we currently have two. One is Protective Domain Name System Service, or PDNS, and the second is Vulnerability Scanning. And so again, these are commercial tools that are provided by commercial industry. We just, on the back end, partner with that provider to enrich it based off what we know nation state actors are targeting. Got it. That's that's pretty robust in terms of you know partnership. Um, is certainly not just you know exchanging emails on the um, service side. You mentioned those two services at the end there. How much use are you seeing out of those services from the small medium sized companies? Are you seeing a lot of folks sign up to take advantage of that? Yeah, we have a couple hundred companies that are enrolled now. We're really focusing on, let's look at a really critical weapon system or weapons platform and try to illuminate the supply chain and get that company out. And really, it's just looking for what are the common techniques that we see adversaries using to target these businesses? And then what are the commercial solutions that are available? What we find when we talk to these businesses is they don't know how to implement effective cybersecurity programs. They are really good at whatever their business is, either transporting material or building a specific part, they're not great at what cyber programs are especially effective against nation state actors. And so that is where we're trying to get a large population enrolled. We've been funded by DOD to scale out to thousands of companies. So we lowered the threshold for entry for those services that any company that has a DOD contract or is a subcontractor to a prime is eligible for those services at no cost. And is it um, no cost in perpetuity or is it just for the co first couple of years or as long as you're enrolled, you get those services at no cost? It's as long as you're enrolled. And, and what we really found is that it's useful for the companies, but it's also giving us an understanding of how they're being targeted. And so protective DNS specifically is just DNS filtering. So anybody who's not familiar with DNS, it's like the phone book of the internet. So if you're trying to navigate to google.com, 
you can just type in google.com and it will resolve you to the appropriate IP address without you having to memorize all of them. And what we found is that DNS was built for usability. It's so people can navigate the internet easily. But this is how a major attack vector, phishing emails, malwares delivered via DNS, command and control of malware on your network, expel of documents, all of that happens over DNS. And so protective DNS just leverages a cyber threat feed that's commercially available to block known malicious sites. So if they identify that a site is known to be hosting malware or has malicious activity on it, they will drop the external connection to that site. And so Akamai Technologies provides it for us. There's many providers of protective DNS, but that way a company is just better protected because they're not gonna go to known malicious sites from their external web searches. And then on the back end, NSA feeds in non-public information that we know of bad domains to enhance the blocking. But then it also helps us better understand what's being attacked in the div so that we can tailor information. So it's something that we plan to offer in perpetuity because we understand the actors in this way as well. Got it. And, and then the second one was vulnerability scanning. Uh, can you describe that service in a little bit more detail? Yeah, absolutely. So there's many commercial tools that scan the internet looking for public facing hardware and software. Um, anybody can purchase those feeds. And so what we're essentially doing is we recognize that remote code execution is a, is a high attack vector in the div. They're looking for unpatched systems. And we've specifically seen you know, nation state actors when a known vulnerability comes out, we will see mass exploitation looking for really areas of opportunity. And so what we're trying to do there is we leverage commercial tools that scan the internet and we help you understand what your attack surface. What is your public facing hardware and software? What are the versions you're running? What are things that are vulnerable? So part one of it is really attack service management, helping a company understand where they might be vulnerable. And then part two is where we're trying to help those companies that have patch fatigue. And we're trying to give them context to say, we know you have a lot of things you need to address, but here's things we see actively being targeted. So we can give really specific alerts and say, this IP address is running this particular service, which we know the version is vulnerable and being exploited. And so we give you essentially a full assessment of what's public facing and what could be targeted and then help you try to mitigate that. Got it. That's a really good overview. And I'm wondering, is all of this happening at the unclassified level? And you know, if so, how have you been able to make that still be valuable? Because I think a lot of people probably assume that the classified data is the most valuable threat intelligence that the NSA has. Yeah, I think what we have found is, you know, it is not helpful for a company for us to bring you into a skiff and give you specific information on intentions that you can never action. And so culturally at NSA, we are really focused on making information as actionable as possible. And the reality is, if a company is being targeted, that company could see this activity too. And so that's one of the things of the partnership is that we might know something through a sensitive source, but the fact of, of what we know of, or the tactic and technique that's being used might already be known by industry. So we're really trying to get as much information out of classified channels and we shared it unclassified, but for official use only. So it's not public information. We also leverage the traffic light protocol markings. So CISA came out with traffic light protocol markings that basically are handling restrictions that say if something is TLP clear, it can go to anybody. If it's TLP amber, 
you need to only share it within your organization. And then TLP Red is more restrictive to by name recipients. And so all of the information we share is not classified. Um, it's unclassified and we do it through unclassified channels so that companies can get it to their net defenders. That's who really need it. They're the ones that need the indicators. And we try to provide as much context to the noise that we know they're seeing every day, but doing it in a way that they can action it. And again, that's Christina Walter, Chief of Dib Defense at the NSA's Cybersecurity Collaboration Center. We're going to take a short break here, but we'll pick up the conversation with Christina when we come back. I'm Justin Doubleday, and you're listening to Inside the IC on Federal News Network. With the broadest range of breakthrough technology solutions, Microsoft Azure for Government is the choice for classified missions. Built for government agencies and their partners, unlock insights, build new capabilities, and empower collaboration in secret and top-secret environments. Microsoft Azure is built for national security missions, combining cloud-native capability with classified networks, hybrid and multi-cloud, to create a developer-friendly platform that is ready anywhere and secure everywhere. Visit MicrosoftFederal.com. That's MicrosoftFederal.com. Welcome back to Inside the IC on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Justin Doubleday. I'm speaking with Christina Walter, Chief of Dib Defense at the National Security Agency's Cybersecurity Collaboration Center. And I think last time I saw you speak, you told a story about a nephew of a company CEO who would come home from college on the weekends and be the de facto Chief Information Security Officer for that company. Am I getting that right? And is that really indicative of the situation with some of these companies in the defense industrial base? That is a true story. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, the Collaboration Center has been in business for about two years. And our engagement with industry is really underpinned by the Department of Defense, who serves as the sector risk management agency for the defense industrial base. And so our focus at NSA is really to get left of theft and to give warnings before an incident occurs. And so when we first got these authorities through our partnership with DOD, we were very excited and we saw intent to target you know, an entity and we reached out and we called them and said, hey, we see you know, pre-stage of an attack. We think you need to patch this system. And that was the response was, I'm not really sure. My nephew comes in once a week. Can you call us back and he can take care of it? And I think for us, it really helped us realize the reality of the situation of these companies and how they are good at doing business, but not good at cybersecurity. And so it's not baked in and they might make a critical part, but they don't know how to defend against a sophisticated actor. And that was when we really realized that we can engage with those large defense contractors, but when we want to get to scale and we want to protect companies broader than the large ones, we need to work with the service providers and with the cybersecurity service offerings. I think you know the follow-up to that, that story is one thing that we have found is when we can work with, a, with an internet service provider as an example, they can take action on behalf of their company. And so another example is we identified you know, targeting of a small business that does a lot of business with DOD on research projects. We tried to reach out in counterpart with our law enforcement entity and partner 
the company was not particularly interested in a partnership with the government. I realized that not everybody wants to do that. And so we could identify who the internet service provider was. And when we shared the information with them and they can validate that the terms and conditions of their platform are being abused by the specific actor, they know routed the traffic, which means they essentially put it in a sinkhole so that it wouldn't continue to go back to the actor. So they defended their customer because that's what they want to do too. And so we've seen that when we can give context and information to the service providers, they will defend that small business that has to call in their nephew on the weekend to do their patching while they wait for them to come in. Got it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a that's really good story, isn't it? A really great, great point. I mean, we're the NSA and we're here to help. I'm sure that doesn't always get the <laughs> best response as you as you said in that one case how have you tried to create a level of trust whether it's with those smaller companies or with the isps or whoever else that you need to work with how, how are you drawing those lines and kind of saying hey, here's what we want to accomplish it's in your best interest too yeah that's a great question you know when we started we had about two partners at the collaboration center we have several hundred now and I think it's really for a couple reasons. One, the environment is changing. I think you see things like solar winds and you see these aggressive attacks. We just put out a cybersecurity advisory in December about targeting of Citrix devices by APT5. All of that is resulting in the environment where we need to work together. I think on the other side, you know, a lot of companies said to us, I'm used to programs with the government where I give information and I never hear anything back. And so because our partnerships are underpinned purely by a non-disclosure agreement, a lot of them came in and said, let me give it a try and see what happens. And what we found is, and what I think they found is, we really have committed to changing the culture and pushing information down and out to them. And so we are actively sharing on a weekly basis. We put out multiple mitigation guidance to them. And we also have shown that there's trust. And the unique part of NSA is, we're not law enforcement, we're not regulatory. We purely are technical experts that understand sophisticated actors and can share that information back. And so we have found that there's been, you know, particular activity that Citrix Cybersecurity Advisory is a great example where through our collaboration with industry, we identified that. We identified specific partners in the DIV who were impacted by it. We worked together to build a hunting guide to detect the activity all while they follow whatever contractual action they have to. They will report an incident and go through all of those processes. Working with NSA doesn't mean they don't have to, but you get access to the technical experts who really understand the actors and can tailor mitigations. And so we work together jointly to make that cybersecurity advisory that we could then put out to not only the defense industrial base, but broader. So it's trust. It's us saying, here's what we know, and industry being able to say, here's what I see, and us both protecting each other's equities in that space. And then what about the other side in terms of, you know, you're the Cybersecurity Collaboration Center, you sit outside the NSA gates, but you rely on NSA expertise. How have you been able to maybe convince more declassification to enable that better bi-directional information sharing, that better uh, collaboration with industry? We are still working that culture change, but I think it is very eye-opening to analysts to see what industry has to offer. And that has been helpful. And so we have a team in the collaboration center here that's dedicated to leveraging commercial tools that you can acquire, that industry is acquiring to help us better understand threats. And so one, we can use that information and give it back to our analysts so that they can understand what industry knows about the actors they're targeting. 
there's a lot of gaps that can be filled through that partnership. And the other thing is when we can bring them in a room and they can see that, wow, I might know something through a specific aperture that's in foreign space, but industry has very similar apertures and they can track the actors the same way. And I think it's surprising sometimes to our analysts to know that industry has full teams dedicated to tracking specific APTs. And when you can get them together in a room, even virtually, it's really can be magical what they can accomplish. And it can bring our analysts more to the table and willing to share more because they feel like they're being protected because industry is essentially protecting them because we're doing it together. Got it. And since we're talking about defense industrial based cybersecurity, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the cybersecurity maturity model certification program, uh, CMMC. Of course, it's uh, hasn't been rolled out through rulemaking yet, but the Pentagon is is moving toward that. You're very much in the right, the collaboration, voluntary partnership kind of lane. What's your role in perhaps pushing companies toward increasing their level of cyber hygiene like CMMC is supposed to sort of force them to do or otherwise get, getting companies to raise the bar with, within that vector? Yeah, I, I appreciate you asking that. I don't give any talk ever where that question does not come up. So, you know, I know that industry is is really concerned about CMMC and working to be CMMC compliant. Where we are is we are really trying to use our expertise of what are the best controls that can be put in place and help you know recommend those for NIST 171 and CMMC, but also piloting additional services. So we're looking at cybersecurity services and we are looking at it from a, what would prevent a nation state actor from targeting them, but they do align with NIST 171 and CMMC controls. And so there's a lot of places where, you know, vulner, external vulnerability scanning, monitoring your external traffic, which DNS filtering fulfills, where we make sure that our services align with CMMC. So while they're not gonna help you be all 100 and something controls compliant, we, they at least address a way to get there. And so that is really how we're trying to complement DOD's efforts. It's really showing that DOD is investing in, in making these companies get to CMMC with programs like ours. All right, well, uh, are, are there any big plans that you have for this year for 2023 that you'd want to highlight for us going forward? I mean, our big plans are scale. You'll hear anybody at NSA who talks about cybersecurity to scale. And we'll do that through two ways. One, really strategic partnerships with those companies that are capable of defending at scale. And two, through the cybersecurity services. So we are on a bit of a roadshow. It's no surprise that marketing is not NSA's forte. And so you'll see me and you'll see Morgan Adamski, the chief of the CCC, out to get the word out on the services. And there's a lot of education that's part of that. And so partnerships with DOD and partnerships with industry to get the word out, we're shooting for thousands of companies over the next year. So that's our big push. All right. Well, that's something to watch out for this year. Christina Walter is the chief of DIB Defense at the NSA's Cybersecurity Collaboration Center. Christina, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you, Justin. Great to talk to you. Thanks for listening to Inside the IC, sponsored by Microsoft Federal. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your podcast feed. Search for Inside the IC on Podcast One, iTunes, or wherever you get your shows.